Live from the downtown studio, the Flames Talk postgame show starts now. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Okay, let's get our Flames Talk postgame show underway on a Saturday night. A close one and a hard-fought one between the Flames and the Kings, but L.A. wins at 5-3 to wrap up Calgary's pre-holiday schedule. Flames Talk postgame's underway. My name is Pat Steinberg. Let's head immediately back to Southern California and Crypto.com Arena and get some postgame reaction from Blake Coleman, who had a couple of goals in this game tonight. Uh, Blake, it was uh, a close one. Just uh, what did you see on this one tonight? How did you see... Uh, your group's effort in a hard-fought battle tonight. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what it was. I felt like it was, uh, it was a hard-fought road game, I think. You know, we knew going in they were they were a good team and it wasn't going to be an easy night. And I thought, you know, we go down by two, but we showed our medal and um, did what we always do in the third. We made a good push. Got one of the two back, just couldn't find that, that equalizer. And, um, you know, it's frustrating. I felt like you know, the effort was good, but like I said, just they were opportunistic and, and – uh, you know, we left some points on the table. The the biggest positive that uh, we took away when watching tonight, Blake, was uh, the the really dangerous nature of your power play. I know it only scores the one time you get that power play goal, but it felt like you, you had a lot of quality opportunities. Are you feeling that the power play is taking some steps and progressing here? Yeah, I think it's been the last few games. I think uh, definitely taking strides and a lot more zone time and better looks. And um, you know, we're starting to convert on a couple of these, but. Um, we're going to need it to get going and, and stay going if we're going to be able to make this push uh, for a wild card spot here after the break. And, um, you know, I think there's been signs of life, which is encouraging. Blake, you score the power play goal and the shorty. Can you just uh, walk us through what you saw on the two goals tonight? Yeah, I mean, the shorty was just uh, was able to get a little stick left on their D coming up the ice. And, um, you know, she kind of left the puck there, and I got it into Sharky's hands. Obviously, he's a great playmaker. And, uh, you know, he did what he does. He made a great pass uh, to the back door. And then um, power play was just, you know, good movement from Hubie and Weeks and um, a well-placed shot by, by Rosie. And um, nothing nothing too pretty, just cleaned up the, the garbage in front. But, uh, you know, like I said, uh, just a little frustrated with leaving some points here. But, you know, the, the special teams have been encouraging. Well, and Blake, a, a final uh, a final question for you. And understand uh, definitely some frustration with with not being able to get the result tonight in LA. But as you go into this uh, mini break for the holidays, just how do you feel the overall team game is trending for the Flames right now? It's been good. You know, it's been, that was a tough stretch of games. So it's been a lot of talk around it. Um, you know, the talk's going to be that we, you know, either we're I don't know if we're at 500 or just above it. But um, you know, I think. As players, we felt like we left some wins on the table, uh, some third-period leads that we didn't hold on to. So, um, you know, I think if we win those, everyone's got a whole different tune right now. But uh, still encouraging. I think our game's grown as the year has gone on. And after the first uh, rough month, uh, I think we've improved um, every every week that's gone. So we'll keep this trend going. We'll be all right. Blake, uh, enjoy the, the holiday break. Enjoy some time with the family. Uh, thanks so much for doing this tonight, and good luck on Wednesday in Seattle. Fly safe. Hey, thanks for doing this. All right. Thanks, fellas. Happy holidays. You as well. That is uh, Blake Coleman post game following a 5-3 loss on the road in Los Angeles as the Flames have their win streak snapped at three. Our Flames Talk post game show is underway on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. Pat Steinberg with Megan Mickelson and Derek Wills on this Saturday night. And Mick, you know, the Flames fought hard. The power play and a shorthanded goal kept them in this thing. But the, the biggest thing I came away from 
Um, just it, it was tough to keep up with the Kings at five on five. I, I take a look at the the uh, five on five attempts in all three periods: twenty six seventeen LA in the first, twenty one fourteen LA in the second, eleven three Kings in the third. High danger scoring chances at five on five: four one LA, four one LA, six nothing LA. Flames just uh, didn't have it at, at five on five at the same level as this Kings group that is very very good and yet. I think maybe the biggest positive is that you're not always going to have a night where you're, you know, A plus and, and at that same level, but special teams kept them in it. And that's not something that we've been able to say. So I think a double edged sword, uh, definitely not at the level they wanted to be at five on five, but there were some positives with their special teams tonight. I'm curious, uh, your look at this one tonight, friends. Yeah. And you even look at, you know, something as simple as plus minus and team totals of plus minus. So the flames, uh, you know, at, and five on that's a, a telling tale of five on five the flames were minus 17 and the kings were plus 15 so i mean that that tells you quite a bit right there in a, a very simple stat but i thought that it, it took the flames quite a bit of time to adjust to uh the speed and the pace that the kings play with they had a tough time with their forecheck and even getting out of their own zone they spent way too much time five on five in their own zone so I had a tough time with that but uh, a, a really good pushback and a lot of resiliency in your special teams coming through at a time where you need them to and playing against a group that is so good and plays with so much pace five on five that's when you need your specialty teams to come through and you know it's weird to think of your penalty kill being a situation where uh, you know they can generate some offense. I know. But the reality is that that's what that has become for this team. And what stands out to me is that it's not like they're being reckless on the penalty kill and trying to create offense. They're still, you know, they're playing defense first on the penalty kill, but just being really aggressive on bobbled pucks. And then when they do get possession, uh, you know, in the defense or the neutral zone, and they have an opportunity to go on a rush, they simply go on the rush instead of dumping it and changing it so uh you know wherever you get the points on the specialty teams you're getting them from where you need them Uh, I did think though that power play later in the third period and I was thinking in my head if they don't score on this they're not going to win the hockey game Uh, and that's exactly what happened well, and they used intelligent players in the penalty kill. They've mm-hmm. got uh, that dynamic duo of Michael Backlund and Elias Lindholm and uh, a newer combination of Blake Coleman and Yegor Sharangovich, and it's about more than just those four forwards, but uh, they do such a great job reading plays and deciding when to sit back and kill the penalty and when to take a chance and, and try to create some offense uh, instead of just playing defense. Uh, so uh, I do give those guys a lot of credit. And you know, special teams are starting to come around a little bit. Blake Coleman talked a little bit about the power play, which has looked a lot more dangerous in the last two to three games. And it's funny because for such a long time, we were talking about how good they were five on five, but how they had to be better on more so the PP than the PK. But uh, those things uh, tend to... To, to change around during the course of an 82-game regular season schedule. I do think this team is is trending in the right dire- direction. They finish that 15-game gauntlet above 500, 7-6-2. And when you look at who they played during that 15-game stretch that started on November 24th and ended tonight, some of the top teams in the league, two games against the Stars, two games against the Avalanche, two games against the Golden Knights, 
two games against the Wild and then one against the Canucks, Hurricanes, Devils, Lightning, Panthers, Ducks, and Kings. So that is a tough stretch, and the Flames did finish above 500. Again, if, if this team doesn't start 2-7-1, and one, we're looking at them a lot differently. But they did, and now they're in a hole. They have to try to climb out of it. They got back to 500. They're a game below now. So uh, they're going to have to be really good after the Christmas break to mm-hmm. uh, to stay in the playoff race. Marquee matchup tonight, Derek, brought to you by Country Hills Toyota. Was that opportunity for the Flames to come back with a, a four-game road trip, a four-game win off this road trip, four-game win streak, and uh, start the, the post-holiday break on a high? They won't. You could hear how frustrated Blake was with uh, the way things went and what they felt was a, a missed opportunity. So at the, at the same time, not uh, not exactly the effort that they were looking for. And it's, it's a good reminder too that this is one of the elite teams in the NHL so far this year it's it's a good kind of indicator as to maybe where the Flames need to take some steps as as they uh, go forward into the second half of the season yeah and what I love about the Kings when they're on their game is just how fast they play and how relentless they are they remind me a little bit of the Golden Knights just in how they come at you especially on the forecheck and you know in the first half of this hockey game I thought the Flames did a better job in the back half but in the first half they had a hard time getting out of their own zone. They, they couldn't get the puck across their blue line and even into the neutral zone, let alone through the neutral zone and into the offensive zone. The Kings did such a great job finding ways to keep pucks in. And I think, to your point, Megan, it's because they play so fast. They, mm-hmm. they don't give you any time or space. So unless you're basically perfect, you're going to have a problem. Yeah, and what was really impressive to me, too, and in their checking – in the offensive, in all three zones, actually, was not just the relentlessness with which they checked, but it was their positioning. It mm-hmm. was almost picture perfect when you watch it. That those are a lot of situations where you go back and you watch on video. Uh, I know I would watch a ton of video as a player, and you're looking at your positioning, uh, and it it's a a mistake is a difference of, you know, one foot one way or the other. And it Mm -hmm. just seemed like the Kings are always positionally in the perfect spot in terms of their structure of their checking and where they want to be and where they need to be. And that's what makes them so successful in taking away time and space is they're, they're right on top of you. Let's select tonight's hardest working flame following a 5-3 loss to the LA Kings to wrap up the pre-holiday schedule. Hardest working flame brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Are you the hardest working plumber or HVAC tech? Canyon's hiring. Send resumes to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. Mick, which way are we going for the uh, final uh, hardest working flame before we hit Christmas? Oh, this one's easy peasy. Lemon squeezy. Uh, Blake Coleman <laughs> gets the pick for me on this one. Obviously, uh, two goals, um, four shots, seven shot attempts, but just is so impactful in all areas of the game, in all situations. We talked about him on the pregame show at length and just, you know, how great he's been on the ice, obviously, in his play and now with the points that he is producing, but mm-hmm. also just off the ice um, and just what a leader he is for this group. Obviously, you know, he has a, a winning pedigree in, uh, in what he's accomplished in his career, and there's no doubt that guys are looking to him as a leader, and he did that again tonight in the way that he played. Uh, he just continues to be a leader for this group in so many ways. So Blake Coleman is tonight's hardest-working flame couple 
couple more goals for him. He now leads the team with 12. And the Hardest Working Flames brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Want to get recognized and rewarded for your achievements? Learn from the best. Send your resume to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. Final score, 5-3. Flames fall in Los Angeles. First of four against the Kings this season with Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson. My name is Pat Steinberg on your Flames Talk postgame show. We're going to uh, hear from head coach Ryan Huska very shortly. Uh, your phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. Text line is open at 960-960. We'll get to you very shortly as well. But right now, some final thoughts from our broadcast team of Megan and Derek, starting with Mick. I think it was really interesting hearing Blake Coleman speak and just talking about the frustrations of the group and that they're not satisfied with where they're at right now, obviously. And yes, they're they're playing good hockey. They're trending in the right direction in terms of getting better week to week, but they know that they left some points on the table, like he said. And, you know, that's what makes you feel like as a player that there was more there and you just couldn't quite grab it it was just out of your reach so you know I think that that tells um, a pretty good story in terms of where this team's at right now they know that they could have a lot more points than they have right now and that's going to be their expectation coming Mm -hmm. out of this break is that they're going to need to make a push and they if they're going to make that push for the wild card spot they can't leave points on the table like that so I thought it was interesting um, hearing Blake and and speak the way that he did. Yeah, and for me, his comments were more about the last road trip than this one because Mm -hmm. they had the lead in all three games and in the third period of all three games against the Avalanche, the Golden Knights, and the Wild, and they lost all three games, which is really rare in the league. Uh, If you've got a lead in the third period, you've got a much better chance to win than lose, and the Flames only picked up two of a possible six points on that last road trip. And if you pick up three or four or five or six, uh, to Blake's point, uh, things look a lot different for this team in the Western Conference wildcard race. And, you know, they're still within striking distance. Uh, Two points tonight certainly would have helped. But uh, unfortunately, you can't do what you did and got away with in November. And that's fall behind good teams and find ways to win or even pick up points. It's, it's just not going to happen on a consistent basis. And the Flames have kind of learned that lesson the hard way in some games during the month of December. But I do think their game is trending in the right direction. And for the first time this season, their power play is starting to look dangerous. Yeah. I, I think that's going to help them win some hockey games moving forward. Penalty kill's been pretty good. Scored another shorthanded goal tonight. They've got an NHL high nine on the season and some pretty strong individual performances as well. I, I was really uh, hoping for Jonathan Huberto tonight that yeah. he would get a goal or at least a point. And again, it was a game where he made some really good plays and uh, his teammates just couldn't finish them. So uh, hoping the guys enjoy. It's uh, a short Christmas break, only a few days. So I don't think anybody's flying to Sweden or Finland uh, and <laughs> going home to see their family and friends. But it is a bit of a break, a mental break and a physical break. And then right back at it uh, for a big game against the Kraken coming out of the break on the 27th. So, again, happy holidays to you guys, uh, to all you of our too, listeners. Dear. And yeah. I hope everybody has uh, a very Merry Christmas. And don't look now, but uh, when the Flames play Seattle on Wednesday, they will be tied in the standings at 33 points apiece. Ooh. That's a big game at the bottom end of this playoff race. Pat, a proverbial four-pointer. That's what First you would... time I've said it this season. That is the first time you've said that this season. 
can I just say uh, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays Absolutely. to all of our listeners? Do you want to sing I a Christmas song before we go? No. I'm just going to turn no, the I do mic not. off. Just yeah. in case you said yes. Uh, thank you, friends. We'll see you on Wednesday. Good night. Eh? Thanks, Pat. Uh, Megan Mickelson and Derek Will signing off on this Saturday night. 5-3 final score. Flames fall in Los Angeles. Let's head back to Crypto.com Arena and check in with head coach Ryan Huska. His thoughts post-game tonight. I didn't think we had a great start. I thought we did a lot of defending in the first period. After that, I thought we got better, but um, we had some chances. We just we couldn't capitalize on the opportunities we had with our power plays late. Yeah, Michael mentioned, I mean, obviously the, the one in the third power play, but you feel like you got enough in terms of looks and, and chances in the early ones? Well, I don't know. I mean, we, we had some opportunities, but they were those in tight kind of stuffs around the net where, where goaltenders down low typically make those saves. So, um the one shot rebound is what you're looking for a lot of times and the goal that Blake scored for us. It's just finding a way to make sure our power play knows that they can be and, and need to be difference makers for us. We talked this morning and in the last couple of days about um, the momentum. I mean, you're going into a break now. I know there's some disappointment with this result, but can you, you know, still maintain that positivity coming out of it? Um, sure. I, I think our game's gotten better as we progress throughout the season here. Um, and there's areas that I think when you when you play against the top teams in your division or league that you have to be really good in. You know, there's certain certain things that you can do a little bit differently to have, allow yourself to have a little bit more success than we, we did tonight. But it's things that we're going to continue to work on. The stretch over the last month has seen some pretty good teams over like 15 games. What have you seen, or you know, so maybe you know, what has your shown you and shown themselves about uh, what they can be? Well, I, they're competitive. Like, Every night, I mean, when you look at our team and the way they play the game, they're never out of a game. They always stick around. They always fight back in those games. And they can compete with the best teams. And and, and you've seen a, a team that's been, you know, they've been good with their work ethic. There's been a, a couple of games only this year. We've been disappointed with that. Now it's about kind of stringing more than just, you know, we, we had a three-game winning streak, but we need to string some more of that together. Yeah, Blake talks about just strength convert, feeling like maybe left a couple of points, you know, through that stretch. Is that fair? That, uh, we did, yeah. for sure. There's those few road games that we know which ones that were points left on the table for us, but it's move forward, make sure we're ready to go for the 27. Speaking of uh, Blake, what, uh, what does he meant to this group? Um, in both defensive, I know, but yeah. penalty kill, but just yeah. overall. He's, he's been our, you know, you'd have to put him up there for one of our more consistent players, and he's playing with a great energy right now, and, and things are working for him, which is nice to see. He's a guy that works really hard. He's got so a great character around our room, and it's great to see him get rewarded offensively this year. That is head coach Ryan Huska post-game. Flames fall 5-3 in Los Angeles to wrap up their uh, pre-holiday schedule. They're back in action Wednesday to take on the Seattle Kraken. Our Flames Talk post-game show is underway. Call now, 403-240-4444. Text now, 960-960. Your phone calls and texts are coming up next on this uh, Saturday night. Our Flames Talk post-game show is available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your your podcast and tonight's game has been brought to you by South Point Toyota. Your phone calls, your texts, more trips inside the Flames locker room as we continue along on this Saturday night. 5-3 your final score. LA wins the first of four regular season meetings between these two tonight at Crypto.com Arena in LA. This is Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. The Flames Talk postgame show continues from the downtown studio on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Your final score here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Nope, let's try that again. 
your final score from Crypto.com Arena in Los Angeles tonight. The Flames fall 5-3 to the LA Kings as our Flames Talk postgame show continues on this Saturday. It's Steinberg along with you on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Phone lines open at 403-240-4444. Text line open at 960-960 as well. It's time for tonight's Save of the Game brought to you by Shane Holmes and Jacob Markstrom got his third st straight start in net and Jacob's save of the game comes in period number three. Now he turns the puck over, it's flipped ahead, Dubois walks in, shoots, and is stopped by Markstrom. And now it's centered and fired wide of the net on the Ferrier. Maybe a game-saving stop there by Markstrom on Dubois. That ends up being one of the 29 stops made by Jacob Markstrom tonight, and that's his save of the game, brought to you by Shane Holmes. For every save a Flames goaltender makes, Shane Holmes makes a donation to Kidsport Calgary. Visit ShaneHolmes.com, the better way to build. Thought it was another really solid night, all things considered, for Jacob. Gave him a chance to win. I know four went in on him, uh, but, man, I, I just – there were a few saves made in the second and third period that didn't allow L.A. to kind of run away and hide in this one. So I think Jacob Markstrom's season continues to be really, really strong and had another really strong outing tonight. Uh, he allows four on 33, um, and uh, the Flames unable to win this one on the way before Christmas. Uh, the positives, I thought the special teams were strong. The, um, yeah, I thought the, 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 obviously the penalty kill continues to be dangerous. They scored their league-leading 10th uh, shorthanded goal of the season, or ninth shorthanded goal of the season, rather. Blake Coleman continues to be an absolute dynamo killing penalties. He's actually made a really big impact since being put on the power play two unit as well. Coleman was good. And that's the biggest, here, here's the biggest thing that I've noticed on the power play. For the first time, Maybe all season, they look dynamic. And I don't think at any point the Flames are going to have a top 10 power play in the NHL, but it needs to be more dynamic than the pedestrian five-on-four that we've seen for basically the entire year. And I think putting Coleman with the energy and the directness and overall confidence he has in his game, putting Coleman on that number two unit and having Coleman, Backlund, and Huberdo all on that number two unit I think has really helped them. I'll give Huberdo. I know that he had a rough night in a lot of ways, but I will say Calgary's power play goal to make it 4-3 doesn't happen if Huberdo doesn't make an unbelievable play on the third assist. They just don't count the third assist. He made an incredible play at the blue line to swing that puck through a Kings player, setting it up over to Uyghur, who got a download of Rizicka, who took the shot, and then Coleman on the rebound. Goal doesn't happen if Huberdo doesn't make an outstanding pass. He just doesn't get an assist on it. And I think the chemistry that we are seeing build between Coleman Coleman, Huberdeau, and Backlund, five-on-five, five, has really started to carry over to their power play work. That's number one. And the number one unit looks completely different since they put a certain someone on it. That certain someone wears number 47. Connor Zeri has completely transformed, I think, the way that number one power play unit has looked. He's, uh, Mick always uses the term deceptiveness. He's been deceptive. He's been unpredictable in a good way. He's been dynamic. He's been shifty. And the number one unit with Kadri and Zeri having their chemistry, Anderson having a little bee in his bonnet getting back on that number one unit at the point, I, 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 and then obviously having the shot of Lindholm and the shot of Sharon Govich, who's been really good, and they're really starting to use his one-timer a little bit more. I think that 
both power play units have been kind of transformed a little bit by the infusion of two players that weren't on those power play units before. Zeri going from two to one and Coleman going from not on the power play to the second unit. And they look much better. So those would be the positives. The negatives would be the Flames just weren't close at five on five. LA was significantly better for most of this hockey game when it was five on five. And I think that's a really good lesson for the Flames in terms of, hey, there's another level they still have to get to if they want to be hanging with the big boys on a regular uh, on a regular basis. Now they have hung with Vegas, they've hung with Colorado on a lot of different games this year, but tonight and and you know that maybe the Flames just weren't on it as well as they could be five on five too. But on this night, the Kings definitely ran the five on five show. Calgary's special teams work was what allowed them to stay as close in this game as they did. Let's get to the text line for the first time at 969.60. This says Pat would have loved to have this win to get above the uh, to get the win above their regular time losses. Effort was strong, good compete, and Markstrom was great after he whiffed on the first one. Happy holidays to all. That comes from Claude. Uh, yes, I, I do think that. There was uh, I, I, I didn't love the first goal on Markstrom, the Byfield goal. It was a set play, but still probably wanted that one from that point on. And the Flames spotted him that goal. They got the tying goal, what, a minute and a half, just over a minute and a half later. So it was kind of like a, they, they got the mulligan, or Markstrom got the mulligan on one of the rare whiffs he's had all season long. And then I thought really dialed in from there. Brad and Bridgeland says, not a terrible game, but not great. The Kings seem to just outmuscle the Flames and win a lot of the puck battles, and they really need to work on the power play. With all the opportunities they had, they had little to show for it. The first unit especially just lacks any sort of creativity. I commend the Flames for playing some good hockey leading into the break, though, especially Markstrom. Extra avocados in his stocking for Christmas. That comes from Brad. And I, I disagree. I thought the power play actually looked somewhat dynamic from... My vantage point tonight. This reads, really proud of the boys for that effort. What a performance from Markstrom. The Kings are elite, and the Flames made some nice adjustments and took over that game, but the power play is a mess, and it cost them again. If it's like this, they're just hoping something will happen or they keep trying the same set play that isn't working over and over. I like Coleman on the power play. The Flames need a net front presence. Nothing to hang their heads about. They finish over 500 after the gauntlet and showed they can hang with the big boys, just not quite at their level. See, I kind of looked at it a very different way. I thought five on five. At no point did they take over this game, and I thought the power play was actually something that was a real positive tonight. That's okay. That's why we have these shows. Um, this says, sure, Huberto has barely any points this season, but I wouldn't say he's been completely unnoticeable. I saw him make a couple solid passes tonight, but also made some terrible decisions on what to do with the puck. I feel for him and hope he can figure it out. This reads, Markstrom did his best to steal two points as the Flames' defensive woes returned after a couple of sound games. Kings were behind the Flames simply too many times. 500 on the trip, though. Tim and Hillhurst says, for the sake of the franchise, the Flames must find a way to flush Huberdeau and his contract. Other clubs have survived bad deals, like Rick DiPietro, Ilya Brizgalov, and Alexei Yashin. The Flames are there. I know that Huberdeau's contract is very restrictive, but the worst thing the club can do is let this continue and hope that it magically gets better. Time is money. I, I don't know if that's something that they're going to be able to do anytime soon if that if it ends up getting to that point. Uh, this from Dylan in Revy. Uh, Team Tank is happy. Merry Christmas to the 960 crew. Let's hope there's some good prospects and draft picks coming for the Flames for Christmas. Uh, that comes from Dylan in Revelstoke. Uh, this... 
The Huberto contract's almost impossible to move, but that being said, something has to give. Ten and a half mil on the ice every night and not contributing. I don't believe this is a matter of not having the right plow players. With him, it seems like he has forgotten how to play hockey. The organization needs to figure out how to get rid of this guy. And finally, from Ash, I think Manjapani absolutely has to be reunited with Backlund and Coleman since Huberto isn't producing on that line anyway. I'd like to see Huberto with Pospisil and Ruzicka, Lindholm with Dubé and Sharon Govich back with Kadri and Zeri. It's weird, but it seems that although Sharon Govich is producing, he doesn't seem to have much 5-on-5 chemistry with Lindholm. There you go. Just a few of the texts at 969.60. Keep them coming on this Saturday night. Uh, the text line remains open. Let's get to the phone lines for the first time at 403-240-4444. Uh, the phone lines are open as our Flames Talk postgame show is well underway on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Where are we kicking things off tonight? Let's say hello to Tony to get us going on our Flames Talk postgame show. 5-3 the final score. It's Pat Steinberg along with you. Flames fall in Los Angeles tonight. What's up, Tony? Hey, Pat, how are you? I'm good, man. How's it? Good, good. Uh, does my phone sound better this time? Yeah, you sound good. Okay. Hey, man, we just don't have the, the, the horses, right? I, of, I, think uh, that was, I think that was part of it tonight, yeah. Yeah, because you have to, you know, we don't have that one guy that just can score. You have the four-minute power play. You have to get a goal there. You just have to. Like, you know, we just don't have it. Did Huberdrill play tonight or was he scratched? Well, he made, as as I said earlier, he made a great play on the power play goal they did yeah. score. So, you know, was he great tonight? No, but he did have an impact in the game. So, yes, he played tonight. Yeah. Um, yeah he, he's going to be noticeable out there for $10.5 million. But you know what, Pat? Like I said before, anybody on this team is available. If you can get top-end prospect, first or second rounders, doesn't matter who you are, you got to go for it if the deal's there. Doesn't matter. Because by the end of the year, all we're going to be is middle of the road like we've been for the last 20 years. So, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I mean, honestly, man, I don't, I don't really think that the – like, I, I think that's – I think that's fair, A, and B, I, th- I think that's kind of the way the Flames are looking at it too right now. Yeah, like, and who, you know, people are saying, well, you, you're not going to get rid of this contract, man. It, we're stuck for at least another, I'd say, four more years before you can even think of buying it out. Well, and I don't think I don't think anybody is really suggesting buying it out at this stage. That's pretty difficult to do yeah. with uh, with with the money that's w- would be owed on it. Um, I, I think one of the things that people have suggested is maybe seeing if you can't get creative with a trade of some sort and and see if you can. You know, somebody suggested uh, there, there was a a Timo Meyer trade that somebody tra- suggested on on the text line a few days ago, and, and basically the, the crux of that was uh, maybe you could get uh, Timo Meyer from the Devils. That's been a disaster of a contract there. Um, and maybe by moving Markstrom as part of that deal, you could entice the Devils to move on from Meyer and also get uh, get Huberto in that deal as well. Things like that yeah, you might have to think nice. about doing. Because what's Myers' uh, contract? How long is that one? Is it, is it uh, they signed him, so I, I believe he's actually got more time left on his contract or equal time left on it because they both kicked in at the same time. Uh, I think uh, I think okay. Myers got eight left. Uh, is, sorry, he's in year one of an eight, and I, I think the same is true with Huberno. It's 8.8 times eight for Meyer. Okay, so we would have to probably keep 
keep a little bit back to. Well, and, and you'd have to you'd have to retain on either Markstrom or Huberdeau, um, yeah. and, and you'd also have to be okay. Just in this particular scenario that the texter brought up, you'd have to. And I'm not saying that it's something that's that's something that would actually happen, but you'd have to like you do have to do some retaining, and you have to be okay with not getting a very uh, you know much of an asset back for a guy like Markstrom. Yeah, like you know, what we should do is when we get a power play, just uh, go short time and give the other team the power play. The power play was. I, I the power play was okay tonight, actually. What, what were they? One for six or one something? One for six. Yeah, the, the numbers weren't great, but I actually thought, from an overall standpoint, it was uh, it was a pretty dangerous day on the power play. They looked more dynamic tonight than they have in a while, um, and I thought that they looked pretty dynamic against uh, Anaheim on Thursday as well. So they've scored power play goals in two straight games, and with the way this power play's gone, Tone, uh, baby steps, right? Yeah, like um, like Markson, he's he played good. Like maybe that first goal, but I mean, then he made some amazing saves anyway. It just you know you just <laughs> you get LA. They won a cup, they rebuilt, and they're ahead of us again already. Like you know, what I mean, like it is what it is, I guess. But like you know, you just you, you got to get lucky in the draft. Like I've always said, Pat, the first uh, first and seconds we need. We don't need the third, fourth, fifth rounders. You can get lucky like you did with a good girl, but I mean. It's it's a lot harder, right? You're going to build through the first, like we did. You can see we miss Kachuk, we miss Goudreau. We, you know, those are the guys that and you need players like that to succeed in this league. I think for sure, because you yeah. know you're not going to hard work is good too, but you need the hard and you need you need the talent too. It is what it is. That's just you know you have. To, so if you had some talent, you mean you could have you, know, you had that four minute power play, you know, could have tied up the game there, and uh, you know, but. Uh, yeah, you know, but I mean, we knew this. This is the way this team was going to play. Like they played all right game tonight, but just we just don't have the horses like we said. And Hoover Joe, you know, if he could, if he could even get seventy points a year, we'd, we'd be three or four wins up right now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, but I mean, I don't know, Hoover Joe. I, I I agree with that text earlier. You had I would put Mangiapane. We got to get Mangiapane going too. Um, yeah, Pat. I agree. I would put I'd put him back with Coleman and. Uh, Backlund, like Manjapani played amazing with him last year. Like we got to get at least at least you get Manjapani going, you know. At least one of them was going. Like uh, I don't know. Like uh, maybe put Huberdro. Like I said, I would be playing Huberdro the whole power play. You got to get this guy going somehow. Maybe that's all he needs is to get you know a couple of games, two or three goals, and the, the way he goes. But we have to get him going if we even have a chance to to make a wild card. I think. Yeah, you know? I, I I don't know. I mean, I don't know about if if to have a chance at getting the wild card, to be a team that is a contender or anything like that. I think that getting Huberto going is is pretty imperative. Yeah, yeah, you know, but, um, yeah, that's uh, we'll see what happens. Um, hopefully, you know, uh, like I said, I, I don't know. I'm I'm stuck in the middle. I don't know if they want I want them to make the playoffs. <laughs> I really actually want to. Uh, to, to make some good trades, that's what I really want. Some young guys, of high draft picks. Well, what I've what I've been that's saying for really a little want. while is if they can, if they can, you know, if they make the right moves and they they make some pragmatic decisions on um, the the UFAs that they've got, and they can still make the playoffs. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, that's true. That'd be great. 
do something like Nashville did last year. And right? that's kind of that that's one up. of my examples. Is is do is see if you can do. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's necessarily probable even. But there is that. That's kind of the the model that I'm thinking about. Is hey Nashville, um, they they traded away their guys. They stayed competitive and almost made the playoffs. And they just got stunned tonight by Dallas in a game they never yeah. should have lost. But they've this been a pretty good second. team this year. Yeah, I know. They, they've been pretty good. Yeah, that's right. Well, we'll see what happens, Pat. Uh, anyway, you have yourself a good Christmas, buddy. You as well, pal. It's good to hear from you as always, Tony. Yeah, you take care and talk to you later, brother. Okay, brother. Thank you, man. 403-240-4444 is your phone number following a Flames 5-3 loss on the road in Los Angeles tonight. We say hello to TJ. What's going on, TJ? Hey, Patty. How are you doing tonight, buddy? I'm good. How are you? Not too bad. Uh, Patty, uh, Merry Christmas to you and the crew over there. I just wanted to say that before I start off tonight. Thank you, and to you as well. Thank you so much. Uh, Pat, um, first thing, A.J. Greer, get onto that first line. I get it. That like, reward a good guy and play him. I mean, that's not a long-term option. Is that sending a message to Dubé, Mangiapane, or like what's like A.J. Greer can't be a first-line player on our hockey team. What do you think about that one? Yeah, I guess uh, I, I, I agree that that's not – your ideal long-term fit and I'm as big an AJ Greer fan as you're going to find both on and off the ice but I I don't think that is a long-term fit I think as much as anything to your point man I think that was as much of a message specifically to Andrew Manchpani as it was to um, as a reward for Greer like I do think Greer gets the reward but I think more so it was Andrew, we, we need you going, and, and they need a little bit more from number 88. So I, I thought that he was fine there. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't see that being a long-term fit and and probably not something that we will even see come Wednesday's game against Seattle. I'm actually quite curious to see what the lines look like on Wednesday. And, you know, we had a conversation on Flames talk on Friday's show uh, about, you know, do you think about moving Huberto with Kadri and Zarian? And both Wes and I were like, yeah, that's a, we, we like that idea. And I know that Derek was against that. And in talking to Megan Mickelson, she also doesn't like that idea. Maybe more like the idea of trying Huberto with Lindholm again, seeing if what Sharon Govich is doing might be able to spark uh, a little bit from Lindholm. I, I, sorry, from, from Huberto. I'm for any of those things if they want to try that or really uh, from a Huberdo standpoint I'm I'm for a lot of things to try to get that guy going it's kind of hard to write anything off and I'm curious what they uh what they end up looking like because uh, I, I actually thought Manjapani had himself a really strong game after the the demotion I think that really kind of um uh, that, that seemed to spark him a little bit so we'll see if maybe that gets him back up to a higher line as well Hey, Pally, do you think it is something that they're trying to send a message to Manager Panny? Or I think so, yep. Manager Panny to Dubé? Like, like, I know Manager Panny and Dubé have some sort of chemistry. Like, is that something maybe they try, try to see what's going on there? Maybe, just but maybe I, also think, I also think, TJ, you're bang on that they're trying to send a message to, to Manager Panny. For sure. And, Pally, I got one more just before I uh, let you go tonight. Um, I know you were talking, the power play, you were saying it's not, you know, the last two games hasn't been that bad. And, honestly, they've been better. Um. Honestly, Pat, this team, their power play, you're not, even if they make wild card, get anywhere close to that, they're not, uh, you're not winning any special team battles in the playoffs. I just think this team needs to understand that, trade these pending UFAs, and uh, 
I just I'm just saying this power play, even though they're better, it's not anything special. Um, Patty, besides that, I just want to hear what you say on that. Thank you so much for having my call. You have a great night, Pat. You too, Thank TJ. You. Great stuff, man. Appreciate that. Uh, and and I agree. I, I still don't like. I, I still don't think it's a, an elite power play. I, I really think with this particular special team situation, any type of baby steps is a good thing because it, it it's been such a problem this year. So I think you'll take some small steps, but there's still big strides that need to be taken from it but I just I think it has been better of late so you know in a situation where something has been so poor for most of the season for them to score back-to-back power play goals like back-to-back games with power play goals and for it to look uh, a little more and then I think even a significant amount more dangerous uh, I think you'll take that if you're the Flames. 403-240-4444 is your phone number. Full lines are open on this Saturday following a 5-3 loss on the road in Los Angeles. It's Steinberg with you on your Flames Talk post-game show. Let's say hello to George. What's up, George? Not much, Patty. How are you doing tonight, bud? I'm doing all right. Right on, man. Uh, Blake Coleman, man. Oof. He's been absolutely on fire this year. Unreal. If you would have told me at the beginning of the year he would have been one of the best players on the team this year, if not the best player, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have believed you at all. And that's not discrediting him at all, but yeah. like, to see the level that he's brought he's brought it at and the impact he's had on this team is, like, un- unbelievable. So I'm just going to present a scenario to you. I'm not saying by any means, full disclosure here, I'm not saying by any means I want this to happen. I'm just throwing a scenario here. If, and this is a big if, let's say at the trade deadline, for example, a team was to inquire about Blake Coleman and they were offering a first-round pick and a prospect, would you would you consider it if you were the GM? Would you take it, or would you rather keep the player? Yeah, but I, that's not going to happen. And I'm not even trying to be disparaging to Blake, but I don't think Blake's getting a first and a prospect. I, I really and, I, and and maybe I'm wrong on that, just based on age and all that type of stuff. I I would be surprised by that. And I'm a huge Coleman guy, so I guess my answer to that question, George, is yeah, I would absolutely consider it. I, I just. I don't know if you're getting that for him. Maybe, maybe you do. Maybe I'm maybe I'm way off on that. Yeah. But what if it was just a first, for example? I think At about point, it. I, I, I do. I, I, I would want to have a conversation with Blake about, you know, what um, – what he's looking to, you know, what what his overall level, if, if they are going to go in a direction where they're thinking about making a deal like that, I think I'd have a conversation with Blake and just say, hey, you know, what what is your feel on being around a, a team that is, is going to be younger here and maybe not, as close to competing at a high level as, as when you signed and see what his thoughts are on that and then go from there. If he's cool with it, then I, I think that there's plenty of reason to keep him around. But to Tony's point earlier, I do think everybody here needs to be – if you're going to get great offers, I think everybody here needs to be considered as somebody that you look at. I, I just – Again, not trying to uh, disparage Blake at all because I, mean, I just first in a prospect seems like that's what you're talking about Elias Lindholm getting, you know? Yeah. Well, again, it's one year, but Blake Blake Coleman, in my opinion, has been better than Elias Lindholm has been. But yeah, I see your point. I'm not like I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you either because I get it. You have to take age as a factor and all that. You're, you're absolutely right. I just it's curious because the level he's playing at right now. 
And it's, it's one thing. It's easy to look to statistics and say, oh, look at the goals, look at the points. Man, it's the impact he's having, you know, like everything. Like the well, yeah, the you, you don't need goal. to convince me on how well he's playing, man. He's been great. Um, yeah. And, and I, he's – He's a really, but he's also still on this team's third line, and like, and I even I, I think about you know there's there's been guys that have been traded that you're like oh they those guys got that much in in a deal I I grant you that, um, but a lot of times you're talking about younger guys like I think about Tampa Bay's price they paid for both Tanner Janot and. Tanner Janot, Nick Paul and Brandon Hagel, but all those guys are are younger. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you're right. You're right. For the record, if he would be cool with it, I'd I'd rather keep him. To be honest, even and if he would be Fair okay enough. with uh, a transition or a retool, because he's here's one other thing neither of us mentioned during this conversation: leadership qualities, and he's got them in spades. I don't think there's any doubt about that, and I think that's important when bringing in young players. Yep, for sure. Yeah. Um. Uh, I was going to go off on the power play tonight, but it did look more dangerous. But I was, it's funny because from one end, it's like I can't even recall watching a team that had a more dangerous penalty kill offensively than a power play. And so far this year, you take it as a whole. The When we're on the PK, we're almost more dangerous offensively than we're on the power play. It's it's mind-boggling. It's it's crazy, like another shorthanded goal tonight. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, it's been it's been very strong. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, yeah. I'll have a final final one for you here, my friend. I'll let you get on to other callers, but uh, there's been this discussion for a while now, and I get it about perhaps getting Anthony Duclair over to Calgary to help with Huberto, you know. But what's kind of stuck in my craw here lately is that in Florida, Duclair wasn't the sole reason why Huberto had success and was effective. That year, right, when he got 115 points, there was another player that we happen to know very well here in Calgary by the name of Sam Bennett, who, in my opinion, had a big hand in that as well. And it seems like no one ever brings his name up. So I kind of find it weird that, oh, if we get Duclair here, everything's good. like, you know, I, I don't understand that. Like, Duclair wasn't the only reason. Like, Bennett was a big part of that, too. Now, I'm not by any means. No, and I, I don't know, George, how many people are saying get Duclair and that'll instantly fix Huberto. I think it's more just, hey, he knows him. Maybe that can be something that works. I'm with you. Bennett was a big part of it. Uh, the power play and, and his chemistry with Barkov and Reinhardt was a big part of it. Uh, there, there were a lot of different things that went into Huberto's 115-point season. Yeah, for sure. And that's the thing. Like, five on five, he played primarily with Bennett and Duclair, right? So it's like by that metric – why don't we try to get Bennett back? You know what I'm saying? That's the kind of thing that kind of drives well, me. Well, no, but I think, I think the reason why people pinpoint Duclair is because that's a little bit more realistic than the second option. Yeah, yeah, true. But it's just, I don't know. I just feel like we hear his name. And it's no disrespect to Duclair, by the way, but it's just like, well, you know, guys, Bennett has something to do with that too, you know? So, anyway... Uh, I was really happy I got to talk to you tonight, my friend. It's it's a late night for me over here in the Eastern Time Zone, but always well worth it. Always worth it to talk to you, have these conversations. And uh, I hope, first and foremost, you have a safe Christmas and a Merry Christmas slash Happy Holidays with, you know, whoever you're going to spend it with, your family or whatever. Just hope it goes really well for you, my friend, and we'll talk after the Christmas break. Okay, pal. Thank you, George.
Thanks, buddy. Have a good one. Merry Christmas to you as well, man. 403-240-4444 is your phone number following a Flames 5-3 loss on the road in Los Angeles tonight. As we continue along on your Flames Talk postgame show, we say hello to Anand. What's going on, Anand? Good evening, buddy. How are you? Good, man. How are you? Good, thank you. Yeah, tough, uh, tough for game tonight, definitely. I do uh, have one question for you. I know earlier you said uh, it's going to be interesting how the lineup uh, looks like uh, moving forward, uh, especially after the Christmas break, uh, especially going into the December 27th game. I have one question. What are the chances we'll maybe see Coronata called up or maybe even see Doher back on the lineup? What are your predictability on that? Um, I, I would be surprised on the Coronado front. Um, maybe on the doer front, I, I would say. You know, we were wondering if maybe the, the Flames uh, might have made a change in that regard going into this game tonight um, and, and maybe think about um, putting doer back in. So uh, I, I would say maybe on the doer front, and I, I would be surprised on the Coronado front. Right. And goaltending wise, do you see four C maybe Marshall start again? Yeah. On December twenty seventh. Yeah, I do. All right, all right. But just want to make a couple of off topic comments if you don't mind. Sure. For, uh, first of all, I want to thank you, Derek Wills, Megan Mickelson, and all the listeners of this program. It has been a fantastic uh, season all through long. I know this is my first uh, full season as a hockey fan, so I appreciate everybody. Uh, so happy holidays to you, Pat, and uh, the entire Sportsnet crew, even the call taker who answers the phone at the beginning. He also deserves a shout-out. So happy holidays. And then second one, I got a new hockey gig for this week, uh, next week coming up. I'll be doing PA announcing or mix-up uh, play-by-play and color commentary for the Circle K, Circle K Classic yeah. Tournament. So, yeah, I appreciate that. I, I'm hoping that I'll get uh, get to meet Peter Labadi and all that. So, uh, yeah, that's something exciting. So I'm looking forward to it. Azam, uh, enjoy it. That's one of the greatest hockey tournaments on earth. Um, and uh, enjoy it. That's awesome. Good for you, bud. Yeah, all right. Thanks so much, Pat, for answering my phone call again. Have a good night and talk to you on Wednesday. Happy holidays, Anna, and really appreciate it, man. You be well. Thank you. Yeah, you too. Take it. Bye. Uh, that will, uh, well, not going to wrap us up, but we'll take a quick pause on the phone lines uh, for a couple of minutes as our Flames Talk postgame show continues. Phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. Still lines open. Uh, we're just going to take a quick pause. So if you want to jump in, now's the time to do so. Uh, get yourself in the queue and we can continue along on this Saturday night following a 5-3 loss on the road in Los Angeles. So phone lines open at 403-240-4444. Text line open at 960-960. It's Pat Steinberg along with you on your Flames Talk postgame show, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, let's select tonight's Player with Heart, brought to you by HeartFit Clinic. A few different ways I was thinking about going on this one. Um, but, you know, as as Mick named Blake Coleman the hardest working flame, I, I fully agree on that one. I'm going to go Elias Lindholm as the Player with Heart tonight. I thought Elias was all around it and had a number of good opportunities. Thought on the power play, he looked pretty dynamic. Uh, When it was all said and done, 
Lindholm didn't get a point, but had four shots on net, six attempts. Five of those attempts were scoring chances, and three of them came from the slot. So I thought Lindholm had himself a pretty solid game, all things considered. Only went 45% in the faceoff dot, but after a three-point game against Anaheim a couple nights ago, I thought Lindholm had himself a solid game in Los Angeles as well. So we'll go Elias Lindholm as tonight's player with heart, brought to you by HeartFit Clinic for HeartFit assessments and proven treatments. Not available at your doctor's office. Office, visit heartfit.ca with your final score 5-3 Flames wrap up their pre-holiday schedule with a loss in Los Angeles 403-240-4444 is your phone number 969-60 on the text line more of your phone calls more of your texts as we continue along it is last call for phone calls though if you want to chime in now's the time to do so one more time 403-240-4444 tonight's game has been brought to you by South Point Toyota Let's go back inside the Flames locker room for a final time tonight. Let's hear from Captain Michael Backlund. Uh, he talked following tonight's 5-3 setback to the Kings. You know, where you thought, uh, you know, this game kind of turned for you? I got it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it got up two there in a the second. Uh, we had a couple power plays in the second, and we didn't score on them, and, yeah, they scored um, to get up two, and, um, came, came in third and we, you know, we chased it and uh, had some looks uh, to tie it. Um, overall tight game, um, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you kind of said it right there. It felt like the better part of half of this game was pretty close and you were able to find answers when they got up. But, um, you know, power play, is that kind of where you're looking now, especially early in the third too? Yeah, yeah. No, we, I mean, we finally scored one, but um, we had uh, we had a lot of looks today. Um, and uh, four minutes, uh, that's when you got to capitalize. And uh, get, especially like you said, early in the period, and we can uh, have a little more time to get that fourth one. Did you feel like you were getting some looks, though? I mean, it looked like there were some chances there, uh, especially on the four minute. Yeah, I uh, know for sure. There were, uh, we had some chances. Um, yeah, uh, but it's uh, results that counts in this league. What about, um, you know, obviously we talked a lot about the momentum over the last couple of weeks here and what you guys have been able to, you know, put yourselves in in terms of a position. Uh, how do you kind of you get a break here but uh, to, to come back with that same mindset? Yeah, no, we got to keep pushing ourselves. Um, not only are satisfied, we twice or three times we've been uh, 500 and, you know, the next game we find we've been, we lost every, every time and uh, we haven't got over 500 yet uh, since early in the first few games there so you know we gotta it's time we take that step and uh, push ourselves here into a better spot there you go Michael Backlund post game following a 5-3 loss in Los Angeles it's time to look ahead looking ahead is brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system to learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer visit Oncolytics Biotech Dot com. Uh, next up for the Flames, they don't play again until Wednesday, December 27th when they host the Seattle Kraken at the Scotiabank Saddledome. That is a 7.30 face-off, which means a 6.30 warm-up right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan on television games on Sportsnet West and Sportsnet 360. Flames already 2-0-0 against Seattle this year. They beat them 6-3 and 4-3 in overtime at Climate Pledge Arena. Uh, both those games were in November. Overall, Calgary has absolutely dominated this head-to-head -head matchup since the Kraken entered the league. 
Flames are 8-1-0 and in nine head-to-head meetings with Seattle. So that's the next game for the Flames, and then they uh, finish off a quick two-game homestand against the Philadelphia Flyers for the annual New Year's Eve game. Wedley, that's at, uh, played on December 31st. The New Year's Eve game this year, Wedley, will be on December 31st, just so you know. Uh, yeah, New Year's Eve against Philly is a 6 o'clock face-off, and Monday, uh, Wednesday night, rather, against the Seattle Kraken is a 7.30 face-off, and that is Looking Ahead, brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech, fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit oncolyticsbiotech.com. Back to the text line we go at 960-960. This reads, too much criticism of Manjapani. Manjapani was never supposed to be a top six forward. He was elevated to the top six because of the Flames' meager top six depth. Manjapani has only two less goals than Lindholm, playing six minutes less per game. I do think some of the criticism towards Andrews fair. There's been a few too many silly penalties, stick penalties, you know, uh, hooking or uh, slashing in on the hands penalties. So there's been a little bit too much of that uh, over the last little bit. And I disagree when we say that he was never supposed to be a top six forward because I think he's shown many things in the past that suggest not just the the. 35-goal season in 21-22, there's been a lot of other things that suggest that, you know, he can play in a top-six role uh, or at the very least a middle-six role. He's been... He's basically a two-time 20-goal scorer or maybe even three-time 20-goal scorer based on just production. He had 17 and 68, uh, 18 and 56, and then 35 and 82. Well, those 17 and 68 and 18 and 56, both those years he probably has 20 if he plays full years. Definitely the COVID shortened year he would have gotten to 20 when he was sitting with 18 at 56. So I think this guy has got 20 goals on him or in him on a on a yearly basis or an annual basis. So in that sense, I do think he has got top six forward material in him. That being said, I, I do think that the 35-goal season we know now is is maybe a little over his head. Um, I still think that they um, – they, they, and I thought actually Manjapani had himself quite a strong game tonight. Um, I, I do think that overall they probably do need more from him. Uh, this reads, don't quite understand why you folks keep pushing the Huberdo angle. The guy sucks. Bottom line, it is what it is. I don't know what angle we're trying to push. I mean – he so far he has not been a great member of the Flames and certainly hasn't uh, lived up to the contract. And I know that he's only 33, 34 games into the contract, but still his first almost year and a half or season and a half as a member of the Flames. No, it hasn't come anywhere close to living up to what the Flames expected or fans expected. Uh, so I don't know what angle. Like, yeah, it's been rough. It's been bad. And I don't know if it's going to get markedly better or not. So not quite sure what Huberto angle you're necessarily talking about. Um Speaking of which, Parsons writes, excellent game from Markstrom, Coleman, and Sharon Govich. Was a good effort by all the boys. I hope Huberdeau has some good time off with family and comes back refreshed. How much outside noise do you think Huberdeau actually hears? Um, I think these guys hear it. I don't think that it is possible in this day and age to block it all out. So I think he hears it. He definitely hears it because we ask him questions inside that locker room. Um, so... You know, we're not. He he knows that we're not asking those questions because um, he's 
producing at a high level. So he hears it. Um, and, and he probably hears it from friends and family too. Um, and, and I'm not saying that they're criticizing him, but just, you know, sometimes people tell you what's being said on the outside. I don't know how much that he's purposely going to seek out, but he definitely hears some of it. Um, the other thing is, is that he also is a really smart, bright human being. He knows that it's not clicking. He knows that he's not producing at the level the Flames expected, that you and I expected. But more importantly, he knows that he's not producing at the levels he expected. So noise or no noise, he knows that it's not going very well, Parse. Um, and this one reads, with Kadri playing well, do you think he's a possible trade candidate considering his contract? Do you think the Flames would consider this or other teams might have interest? I'd like him to stick around and mentor the young guys, but that contract is still still quite long. So there'll be five years left on the Kadri deal at the end of this year. Uh, do I think it is a possibility that he could be traded? Yeah, I do. And especially the way that he's playing, I think that there would be teams that would be interested in even taking on the five years. The Flames might have to retain on some of it, but I think it is something that is not out of the question at all. Uh, and if they retained, I think they might be able to still get a decent-ish return. I think the contract and the length on it is something that is always going to mitigate the the like. The way Kadri's playing right now, he should be getting you a haul if you move him. While the contract and the length left in the age might bring some of that down and, and bring the actual return down lower than what you might think. But I still think you could get a decent-ish return if he continues playing like this and the Flames were willing to retain. And as we've said a few times... I don't think anything is off the table for this Flames group and Craig Conroy. I really, really don't. Um, Smiley writes, Patty, entertaining game tonight, but I must tell you how much I appreciate you. May you have a Merry Christmas and a joyful, healthy 2024. Thank you, Smiley. I uh, reciprocate to you, and uh, I reciprocate to anyone listening, uh, whether you're listening live on a Saturday night slash Christmas Eve morning, or if you are listening on the podcast uh, before or after Christmas, if you celebrate it, if you don't celebrate it, whenever you're listening, we thank you very much. I wish you a happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and a thank you very much for listening on Flamestock as per usual. Great stuff on the text line as per usual. Let's get back to the phone lines with two more calls before we wrap things up on this Saturday night as the Flames fall 5-3 to the Los Angeles Kings to wrap up their pre-holiday break schedule. Let's say hello to Bryce. What's going on, Bryce? Oh, I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm okay, man. Yeah, I, do, um, I see their power play is playing pretty good like lately and is it just a matter of them just adjusting? I guess because new coaching staff still, it just takes a while to adjust. Um, I think there's a few things. I think they've made some important personnel changes, which have definitely helped. Um, I think putting Zeri on the first power play unit has, has given them a real nice boost. Uh, I think putting Blake Coleman on the second unit has been a nice bump for them as well. So I think that some personnel changes have helped. Um, I think that there's been a lot of video work and a lot of talk about the power play needing to be more dangerous. And I think that that is the, 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 the flames know that they need to improve. Uh, I think they're working at trying to be a little bit more uh, dynamic and unpredictable and also working at shooting it a little bit more. Uh, I think that they have uh, tried to utilize Yegor Sharangovich's impressive shot a little bit more and not just 
the actual raw shot and, and him getting one-timers away, which I do think is is an important thing um, for them to continue to do. But I also think that by establishing him as a shot on the power play, it also allows other teams to respect it a little bit more and, and um, kind of consider it a factor which opens up some other things. So and they've practiced. I mean, I know they've practiced it a lot, Bryce. Uh, mm-hmm. I know that they've worked on it a lot. Uh, it's it's been a little bit better of late, which with a, a power play that has struggled as much as this one has, you'll take the baby steps, and yeah. uh, we'll see if it can continue to take some strides here. And do do, do you, so? When do you think uh, uh, do you think Coronado's going to come up after Christmas? I would be surprised if if. They did, like right after Christmas. I think he'll come up again this year. I just don't know if it's um, right away in the offing. I'd be a little surprised if they did that. Okay, and then um, just one other question. Do you think Chillington will be shortly? Do you know if, if, if it's still is? I know he's got... Like you're saying, he's got some issues. Um, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know. Like, there's still no timeline on a Shillington return. He he's still skating at team facilities, so he's still he's still working out. Um, he's still getting on the ice. He's still coming around the team. So I think it's. Uh, I I think it is better in that regard than it has been at any point since he stepped away in the fall of 2022. Um, but I, I still don't think there's any timeline, and I, I think it would be unfair for me to guess as to when mm-hmm. he might be back. I, I think that there's a chance he could return at some point this season. Um, I just don't think that there is a um, – it would be fair to put a timeline on it right now. Oh, okay. And, by the way, um, any more in um, like Special Olympics thing? Any just, I was just wondering if you had in- – progress. <laughs> no, I it, it, we'll, we'll make it happen. Don't you worry. Okay. And then I'd like to thank all you guys. A Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and, and best of uh, 2024 for the Flames, too. And for all you guys do and keep us exciting and ups and downs through the whole years and many disappointments, many excitement and all the nine yards that you guys and your, and your stats are really amazing listening to it all you guys are wonderful well Bryce it is uh it is a pleasure having you on man and uh it's uh it's been great to hear you call in on a regular basis um and uh yeah we'll see you out here next uh next year we'll see you out here in 2024 and uh sure we'll talk to you soon (laughs) February 27th of March 2nd is when we're there all right it's gonna be fun (laughs) I bet yeah, and then yeah, I'll talk to you uh, uh, shortly. So when yeah. the next thing you're on. <laughs> okay, man. Well, Bryce, have a uh, have a merry Christmas back in Mission BC. Hey. Yeah, I will. Okay, thank you, you pal. Too. Great stuff. Yeah. Thanks, man. Uh, let's say hello to Rennie on the phone lines following a five-three loss to the LA Kings. What's up, Rennie? Hey, Pat. I haven't talked to you in like ten years. I think. I was wondering if it was uh, this Rennie. It's good to hear from you. From Twitter, uh, yeah. yeah, I moved to uh, I moved to Amsterdam, buddy. Oh, uh, so baby! Made it really hard. Made it really hard to follow the flames. Um, but I wanted to call in and thank you guys for like get, getting the podcast and everything like that online, uh, so that I could actually, uh, you know, listen to flame stuff while I cycle into work. 
That is, uh, of course, you'd be cycling into work if you live in Amsterdam. <laughs> of course, it's the only thing we do. Um, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to ask your opinion on uh, who you think gets traded first. Oh, that's a that's a really good question. Um, hmm. Of and so we're talking of those three guys. You think? Yeah, the big three. Yeah. <clears throat> Huh. Unless if you have some secret surprise guy that's going to get traded. No, no, I don't, uh, and I don't want to. Uh, I, I, I don't want to get myself in trouble either. Um, let's see. Who do I think is the first one to get dealt? I am going to say my my. This is just a guess. I'm going to say Hannafin is the first one to go. Ah, uh, okay. That sucks. He's the one I actually I actually feel like we should keep. But I mean, I get it. He's. He's, he's very valuable to... Well, the reason I say Hannafin is because I, I think that you're going to see teams, um, especially with him, want to... Because he's the youngest of the group, because he's still, I think, got the highest ceiling of the group. I think yeah. you're going to want to... I think you're going to start to see teams, uh, once the trade freeze lifts and once we get into 2024, I, I think you're going to start to see teams look at Hannafin as a guy that, yeah, they, they'd like for right now, no question about it, and, and they'd like to bring him in to help with their group uh, and see if they can, um, you know, get a, a little bit better this year and, and make a playoff run. But I also think you're going to start to see teams look at him and say, we also would like to get a head start on um, – We'd like to get a head start on trying to re-sign him and um, see if they. So, so I that and I think more so than any of the other three or the other two, I think Hannafin's a guy that teams are looking at as a right now addition and as a long term addition. I still think that they would look like look at that for both Lindholm and Tanev, but. I think there is more of a chance of both Tanev and Lindholm being guys that teams look at as rentals. And I'm not saying they wouldn't look at Hannafin as a rental either. Mm-hmm. I just think Hannafin's a guy that you're going to see more teams interested in from a standpoint of helping him now and helping him long term. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Cool, man. Well, <clears throat> anyways, I just wanted to, again, say thanks to you, Fan960. Uh, thanks to uh, Derek Wills, Megan Mickelson. I uh, definitely sometimes uh, fall asleep listening to the game at 3 a.m. in the morning. Um, but, uh, yeah, I appreciate everything that you guys do. And um, thanks for, you know, letting guys like us uh, that are overseas and stuff uh, stay, stay, stay up to date and stuff. Well, uh, I, I uh, Amsterdam is uh, – I, I have done many of the European travels in Western Europe over the last uh, three, four years, um, and uh, I have yet to get into the Netherlands. So uh, the if Netherlands – If you're here, man, if you're, if you're here. Uh, I'm saying – I'm saying that's it's, it's on the list. Belgium, uh, the Netherlands, and uh, Denmark are all three that I am uh, – because I, I can't go near Paris this year because of the Olympics, so I'm not going anywhere right. – no, nowhere near my – favorite spot so uh yeah now the, the amsterdam is high on it so uh, let's stay in touch and go for uh go for a bike ride yeah exactly do not come in the winter though i'm telling you no it'll be summertime my guy it'll be uh july august you got it you got it all right man well uh yeah if i don't get to talk to you then have a you know merry christmas uh have a great new year and uh yeah let's stay in touch keep uh Keep listening from over there. That's awesome, man. Thanks, Randy. It's good to hear from you, bud.
All right. See you, Patty. Merry Christmas, man. It's uh, already uh, when when Rennie's calling. It's all already almost eight thirty in the morning uh, on Christmas Eve uh, as we're getting to twelve thirty a.m. If you're listening live on this Saturday night into Sunday morning, it's cool, man. I uh, like just the the different people that you get to meet doing this and. Um, Met a uh, met a just a, a wonderful gentleman uh, who is Calgary John G Diefenbaker uh, and and Calgary born and raised hockey product goalie product here uh, who has been in Berlin for the last I don't know twenty years or so and and is still a massive Flames fan listens to Gavin listens to every Flames Talk podcast and and watches every game either live or or on tape still dialed as anybody from you know, all the way over in Eastern Germany uh, in, in Berlin and got to meet him this summer and hang out with him. Uh, and, and there's Rennie in the Netherlands. We've got Singapore. We've got plenty in the UK. We've got Brisbane. We've got a couple in Oz, a couple others in Oz. I'm sure there are uh, t- tons in the States, as you know. Um, it's just it's just neat to see how um, how far wide-ranging the Flames Talk family goes. So thanks for the call, Rennie. That's awesome, man. That's a great way to wrap us up on the phone lines this evening as we continue to move along on our Flames Talk post-game show following a 5-3 loss to the LA Kings. It's time for tonight's final summary. Here's how tonight went as LA never trailed and they took their first lead 61 seconds into the first period at the 101 mark. Quinton Byfield sneaks a shot past Jacob Markstrom to make it 1-0. Byfield's ninth from Drew Doughty and Anze Kopitar and the Kings were up 1-0. Flames tie it though just over 90 seconds later when Erasmus Anderson rips home his fifth of the year. Anderson from Michael Backlund and Andrew Mangiapane at 2.47. We had a 1-1 tie. Kings go back out in front right as a power play is expiring uh, in the later stages of the first period. Pierre-Luc Dubois redirects home his sixth of the year. Dubois from Jordan Spence and Philippe Deneau at 15.20. And the Kings, even though it was an even strength goal, might as well have been a power play goal. The Kings led 2-1 after 20 minutes of play. Kings were back on the power play early in the second period, but they weren't the ones scoring. Instead, Blake Coleman scores another shorthanded goal to tie this game at two. For Coleman, is 11th of the year. Yegor Sharangovich, the assist at 4.01 on the shorty. And for the Flames, that moves them into sole possession of number one in the NHL for shorthanded goals with nine. Uh, Coleman moves into the team lead, tie for the team lead with 11 goals. Kings get that one back, though. They go back out in front just over two minutes later. Alex Laferriere makes it 3-2 with his fifth of the year. Drew Doughty, Mikey Anderson, the assist at 6-28. And then the Kings take their first two-goal lead just over three minutes after that. Trevor Moore puts a perfect shot crossbar and down to make it 4-2 Kings. Moore's team leading 16th from Matt Roy at 9:57. Kings led 4-2 after 40 minutes of play. LA got into some penalty trouble, though, in the third period. The Flames did make him pay on the the one occasion when Coleman scores again, this time a power play goal at 7:18 of the third period. Coleman's second of the night, now team leading 12th of the year, made it 4-3 from Adam Rizicka and Mackenzie Weger. Power play goal made it a one-goal game again. 
The uh, one-goal game would last for the majority of the rest of the period. Flames weren't able to muster a whole lot more from there on out, and then the Kings seal it into the empty net with one minute to go. Quinton Byfield wins a puck race to score his second of the night and tenth of the year. Byfield from Adrian Kempe and Anze Kopitar at the 19-minute mark. Empty net goal got us to our 5-3 final score. Final shots, 34-32 in favor of the Kings. Calgary finishes 1-6 for six on the power play. LA 0 for four with the man advantage. Your three stars tonight, number three, Blake Coleman, number two, Drew Doughty, and your number one star with the game-winning goal tonight was Trevor Moore. With the loss, Flames fall to 14-15-5. and five. They're back in action Wednesday at home to Seattle, while Los Angeles improves to 19-7-4. They're back in action Wednesday at home to San Jose. That is your final summary, and now for everyone involved in Flames hockey tonight, for our broadcast crew of Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson, for our outstanding producer, Azam Ali Nanji. My name is Pat Steinberg. Also wanted to make sure we included Shan Virgie in there as well, our other outstanding producer. And uh, even say uh, a special thanks to uh, all of our reporters, uh, Logan Gordon for home games, Matty Rose, uh, and and even George Russick came in to uh, do a little reporting and hang out with us in the intermission so far this year. Uh, I want to say a special thanks to Tim Khalil, all our engineers, Matt Chikusko, Evan Cody, Jeff Mason, Randy Opperman who come to games, uh, and, and everybody else who makes Flames hockey a reality. I say that because it's our final game before Christmas. If, uh, you know, for me, who does celebrate Christmas, it's a really special time of year, so I wanted to make sure that I uh, said thank you to all those people. Uh, wish all of them and all of you a happy holidays. Uh, and, uh, yeah, if uh, you celebrate Christmas, have a very, very Merry Christmas. Enjoy some family time over the weekend and into early next week. If you don't celebrate Christmas, uh, hey, have a happy holiday season and have a great weekend and have a great rest of your weekend. That'll do it for our Flames Talk post-game show on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Next up for the Flames is Wednesday night against the Seattle Kraken. It's a 7.30 face-off, which means we're on the air at 6.30 with your Calgary Flames warm-up. Have yourself a wonderful rest of your holiday weekend. Enjoy Christmas Eve and Christmas morning. We'll talk to you Wednesday. Final score from Crypto.com Arena in downtown L.A. Flames fall 5-3 to the L.A. Kings. This has been your Flames Talk postgame show available wherever you get your podcasts. And this has been Calgary Flames Hockey right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.